Hello, everyone. Welcome back to, I suppose, the unnamed podcast so far. But I believe I, I don't even think at that stage that calling it an unnamed podcast would be original because I feel like everyone has done that oh, at one point. Yeah, or yeah, we've all run into that. Like the amount of untitled so and so podcasts. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time this officially comes out, we will have a name by that stage. But for those who don't know and are tuning in for the first time, uh, I am Odin Johnson, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by the wonderful Chris Clawson, as always. Uh, this week we are looking at Knives Out. Know something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. And I have eliminated no suspects. For those of you who listened last week, know that we very cleverly linked into this week's show, given that both the actor of Walter Thromby also plays General Zod in that film. Um, before we start, though, I didn't come into this podcast thinking it would be the best Knives Out podcast ever but upon doing some research and thinking you know I've seen this film before uh, what else can I listen to or watch regarding it I looked up on Spotify just to get some other people's thoughts on the film there is a podcast dedicated to this film that each episode (laughs) covers a single minute of the film so they've got like episode one just does the first (laughs) minute episode two so it's called it's called Knives Out Minute um, and it's actually insane. They've done all 130 minutes of this film just having guests on to talk about a singular minute in the film. And I remember I, I, st- yeah. <laughs> I started listening to it and they were doing the first minute. And the first minute, if you've watched this film, is obviously majority logos. So they're just talking about what their favorite <laughs> logos are and everything else. And it's absolutely insane. And I enjoy it so much. But it got me thinking... Um, which is completely unrelated, and we'll get back to Knives Out very quickly because I know we've just started. Um, they had a big discussion about what their favourite logo was at the beginning because uh, Lionsgate is one of the um, publishers of this film. And I was thinking, what's your favourite sort of uh, opening intro? Because I have very fond memories of, remember the THX uh, logo that was like extremely loud? Yeah. Um, uh, MGM, definitely. Just because I associate it with James Bond, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's... Uh, it's nostalgic, you know, like you don't see it as much these days, so it's quite, and obviously I think it's been bought up by Amazon now, so who knows if you'll see it yeah. that much going forward. Well, but that's always the one. Speaking of James Bond, that's a really good transition into the actual main cast of Knives Out, which, I mean, it's very cliche to say star studded cast, but I mean, this oh, is yeah, quite no. literally the film that is everyone is in it. It's the cast is insane, yeah. And. Um, yeah, the main thing, though, I thought going into this, I mean, I love the casting of Daniel Craig. I just, I, it doesn't seem like it would be something that would work necessarily, but I think the way he pulls it off with the accent, uh, I suppose the Kentucky accent and everything else going for him, I think it just works so well. Yeah, so I was wanted to ask you about it, because I didn't know if you'd seen anything about this. What is going on with the accent in that film? We were just discussing possible motives in the family. I suspect that Harlan has told you much unfiltered truth about each of them. And a little bird has told me, how shall I put this delicately? You have a regurgitative reaction to mistruthing. Because I've seen some people say it's like, you, when you look online, there's a lot of like people saying, oh, it's, it's awful. Like it's, so I, I don't know, is it, I don't, I don't know how authentic that is. I know it's the mm. whole like Southern drawl and he's going for the sort of soft-spoken Southern gentleman kind of vibe. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, it, I just, I was kind of, I, it took a minute to get used to. It. I kind of got used to it and then I was like, okay, whatever. Like, 
you know whether this is like good or not isn't really distracting me at this point yeah i don't i don't know i like no first of all i like the accent but i like it just as a i suppose a tone for him it's not really that i like it based off the authenticity of it yeah yeah i get you yeah yeah um but I, I think a level of the film, and this is already jumping into mild conspiracy theories that I have in my head about this, is that I think the ambiguity of where characters are from is a key component of this film. Yeah. Um, uh... Because I, I want to draw on very quick attention to, I think, something that everyone always notes in their reviews or whatnot is that Anna de Armas' character, uh, Martha Cabrera... Yeah, they get it wrong every time. Yeah, yeah. I they keep saying she's from a different like is it latin oh, they're all latin american countries aren't they they're well it's all so the list here is um first of all um richard, Ecuador, isn't it first? richard gets it wrong twice he says first he's from Par- she's from paraguay and then from then uruguay, uruguay. <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah linda says she's from ecuador and ranson says she's from brazil um and it's yeah, never yeah. actually clarified which where she's from she's yeah from. Um, I think the basis is that she's just generally American, though. I think it's her family or her parents that are from different country originally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's utterly insane. Um, and I, I thought, like, it's obviously a comedic element of the film, which I do want to say this film is actually quite funny in a lot of segments that I want to get into later on. Um, but Oh, that's this will be interesting then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe it's just my sense of crass humor. A lot of the time we're sort of the more, like, karma humor that I love. Um but I mean, let's address the elephant of the room first of all. Knives Out is very clearly, uh, if you were to describe it to someone, it would be Cluedo, but the movie. Um, yes, yeah. Well, even the poster, everyone's uh, colours are kind of, I don't know if you, that was the intention, but like uh, Benoit Blanc in the poster is like the Colonel Mustard colour. And then you've hmm. got like someone, uh, there was someone on there, uh, the uh, Chris Evans character, is, Ransom is, is orange and, you know, like, I, I, I don't know if that was the intention. I assume that's what the... That, that was always what I thought it was. When I saw posters, I was like, is this a Cluedo movie? But I know there already is a Cluedo movie, so... Yeah. I don't know. I think the general the insp- I think the general intention, though, because it is very clear that that's the inspiration because there's one of the lines from one of the detectives in it that literally describes the layout of a house, of the house as a clue board. And, I mean, you can't get yeah. more on the nose than that. Um, I, I really liked the premise of this when I saw it coming out. I think it was at the same time this came out as something, uh, the film The Gentleman, which is another really good film. Um, oh, yeah. But they came out kind of simultaneously alongside. And I think an aesthetic, aesthetically looking, they are kind of very similar, like this big ensemble cast with characters yeah, yeah. that are very, like, widely different, but you could imagine in the same world. Um, this obviously takes the more detective angle, whereas Gentleman takes the more criminal side of that, which I think is really yeah. cool. Um, so I... It reminded me, I remember when I saw it, it was kind of, it, my first thought was it was very, it reminded me a little bit of a Tarantino setup. Yes, 100%, um, yeah. Sorry, did you want to go beat by beat through the story or how do you want to, because this is a bit different, isn't it? Because I don't know how much spoilers you want to get into. I assume you want to. Well, I'm intending to tear it all down. So, I mean, that's a good point that you bring me on to this actually quickly, because I'll just mention before we jump in further, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the film yet, we would always recommend for each episode to go off and watch the film and then come back and hear our thoughts because we will heavily dive into spoilers throughout um yeah i think my i i unfortunately when i i watched the film on youtube i, I purchased i rented it through google play um and unfortunately when i googled it i got the the final scene of the movie came up in a thumbnail so i already knew who the, <laughs> who the killer was and that was quite uh frustrating um, yeah. so yeah it's very like i can um, if you get it spoiled for you i can imagine it being like a bit it takes the wind out of the sails of the film a bit i think mm. Um, same with a film like Hateful Eight, if you know where it's going and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do, do you want to get into the I, sort I, of the, the overall yeah. plot? Or? Well, I have notes simultaneously taken from 
the whole duration of watching. So it is all in chronological order. So we can cross oh, through and talk yeah. about stuff as we need. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to start with the beginning because there was one sort of trope that I was glad not to see there. And obviously the whole film opens on this big scene of the house with the strings playing. Mm. And then it's um, the housekeeper, um, Fran, finds um, the, the... What's his name? Sorry. I've been um, drawing a ooh. blank here. Um, oh my yeah I'm trying, <laughs> I don't know some Harlan Thromby uh, sorry Harlan yeah. Thromby yes um, but they she finds Harlan Thromby who has obviously his uh, next uh, his next split open uh, yeah. in his study on his couch and usually in all those sorts of scenes it's always the person finds him and then there's this big scream and a cut I was so happy that like in this film that that's not the case because it literally she just sees him and like she's kind of in shock and she literally drops everything but she never like screams yeah, or anything yeah she doesn't do the scream yeah I was expecting that too. Yeah, I think yeah, there's kind of like a, a there probably be a numbness to it, especially depending on your relationship with the person. And I think you especially know. alongside it as well, you know, as we go on further through the film and we get maybe a bit more detail into the character of Fran, it would be completely out of character for her to sort of be very fragile in that sense. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, sh- she's not that kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that makes it would be a bit inconsistent for her to suddenly. Mm-hmm crumble she she never strikes you as that kind of person yeah but i think i think the opening film does a really good uh this is obviously from multiple rewatches but i even thought this the first time i watched it it does a really good job at opening up and setting up the scene and establishing all these characters very quickly because it is a huge mm-hmm. cast um and obviously i think a great level of detail down to this is the sort of the individual interview segments we get snippets of their personalities it's yeah. not it's not fully developed until near the end of the film but we get kind of the main basis of here's their stereotypical archetype of who they are like um joni is very clearly like this completely off the wall like oh into self-meditative stuff and everything and like completely yeah, yeah. artsy and just is spending money for the sake of money like she feels like she would try and sell you like green leaves to help with like a fatal weight disease. loss coffee or yeah. whatever yeah yeah <laughs> like very much i'm thinking in my head of like um uh, gwyneth paltrow goop uh, yeah that's what that's what came to mind for me as well funny enough yeah like um alternative medicine buy my useless rubbish and all this sort of thing. yeah yeah and you get then obviously linda i think is very much i think linda's the one I would have the most sympathy for, although I think all of them are pretty awful people. Uh, I think Linda has the sort of, like, she is probably, I would imagine she's the eldest child. I mean, that makes the most sense to me. Is yeah. This is Jamie Lee Curtis. Sorry, my, yes, my familiar with the names character. a bit. Yeah, yeah Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Because um, she seems a bit more established in the way that she kind of views the world and much more of not being everything handed to you, despite the fact we learn later that she, like, received this she, million yeah, dollar loan to the start. The small loan this. of a million dollars. <laughs> and that's the one thing about this film. There is a lot of um, political... Is a political... Obviously, the political climate at the time was very much under the Trump era, so there is qu- quite a bit of... My my understanding is Rian Johnson is quite political in his writing, to be fair, uh, is my which, understanding. Yeah, which I think, I think actually works well in this film because it does help to establish the characters in more of a believable setting. Because, I mean... Yeah, so... Mingo. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah Don't no jump one. ahead too far, but I think it's kind of... The the political stuff is almost more just for the humour because it's like the whole you've got the family dinner, everyone's talking about their political views and arguing. Like there's that whole scene where it's literally just the typical political argument over dinner mm. where everyone's expressing like extremely like different views and then, you know, it, and it, they're like they're very caricature views as well. Like the lefties in it are very like you know they get called SJWs and all that sort of stuff and then the the right wing people are very much like alt right like extremely far right people 
like um it's very like it's that's that's that bit was pretty funny like i know that can be like a bit groaning inducing for some people but i think the way they play it is quite funny um i think it's probably i mean with the sort of the content you're doing there as well it was actually probably one of the most original ways they could have implemented it because it it gives it helps to add to the characters in the story themselves because it makes them seem so out of touch with reality that they're debating topics like that yeah it's more it's kind of more natural as well because it's like, well, where else would you expect these kind of conversations? Like if you're yeah. watching a film about a very different subject matter and you saw this conversation, you would be like, well, this is very forced. But like, you know, families having dinners, this is literally what happens. <laughs> like you have a family dinner at one point or another, someone decides to bring up politics and then you all start arguing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like it's, it's yeah. pretty accurate. Well, it's used very clearly, I think, in this film to establish the privilege that these individuals have because they've yeah, had absolutely, everything yeah. handed to them and then they're giving out about, you know, you know, for instance, I think there's one comment about Mexicans coming across the border and they're giving out that they're like coming into the country illegally. Um, and in fairness, Joni in that conversation probably sounds the most reasonable where she's like to make a better life for their family. And then she brings up, obviously, which is a very real example of the the, the ice camp. The kids in cages thing, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, which given at the time, I think was very hot button news. And I mean, it's still very um, talked about now. I think the entire thing helps to reinforce this sort of disassociation with reality these characters have because they are so privileged um yeah absolutely yeah which, it's like yeah. it's sorry it's kind of like they just come up come out with talking points if you get what i mean like they 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 come out with like very bullet point versions of like you know more interesting or nuanced conversations yeah 100%. because they are so you know as you say disconnected from reality because at the end of the day none of this really affects them <laughs> yeah they have everything they could ever want like none of this is really going to matter to them at the end of the day all that matters is the tax break they get, basically. One hundred percent. You know, um, um, I want to bring it back a little bit though, because we were talking about these. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Don't wanna. Um, obviously, we see Richard there as well in the beginning opening. Um, he's kind of like the complete polar opposite to Linda in his sort of decorum and discretion with the police, uh, which is completely hilarious because it's like this really cool setup of like, you know, Benoit Blanc is trying to get this information about or trying to get as she describes it trying to shit talk uh walter thronbury yeah and it's like if you think i'm gonna like shit talk my family and then just really cuts to richard and like he didn't build he's shit. giving <laughs> it all away <laughs> yes i mean walt he's done well with what dad gave him not that it matters but really dad hands him a book twice a year and walt publishes it it's just not the same. But Charlie, Walt runs the merchandising, adaptations, film and television rights. I mean, are you baiting me, detective? You know he doesn't. And if you think I am dumb enough to be baited into talking family business, into shit talking my baby brother in front of a police detective and a state trooper, Walt doesn't run shit. And it's like it's it's really cleverly done to kind of establish sort of who these characters are, I suppose I, not I, kind of what their motivations are and sort of what people they are. I, speaking on that a bit more, I like how Daniel Craig uh, Benoit Blanc kind of like fucks with them a little bit because you see him tapping on the the piano kind of to like make them feel off kilter a little bit. Hmm. He's doing something like really annoying in the background to like, I guess to like, you know, disrupt their kind of like rehearsed answers. I guess. You know, he's there because there's several times where he just taps on the piano next to him and they yeah. go, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and then immediately their train of thought is kind of interrupted. And I wonder if that's like kind of a, a psych thing by him. He's trying to get them a little flustered. Yeah, I think as well, the other thing I really liked was, I mean, I found it quite funny as well, where it's like um, 
both Joni and Linda are introduced to Benoit Blanc and <laughs> Joni's like, oh, I saw a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. Yeah. And then Linda's <laughs> and like, I read this New Yorker article and it's like yeah. the complete perfect synopsis of the two of those individuals. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I... No, I think I, I really like the introduction. The introduction was really interesting. The only thing for me is obviously, as it's a first time watch, and I think I wonder if this is the case for a lot of people who watch these kind of films, um, you're kind of like, you're a little too focused on the dialogue because I'm trying to, is there any clues here in the earlier part that I'm going to, um, I'm going to need to listen to for later. So it kind of, I maybe disrupt my, you know, ability to enjoy some of the, the dialogue a bit more. Because mm-hmm. um, I was like, you know, they're going to give away any, anything away now that's going to, important later but it, which ended up not really happening i don't think um but yeah the introduction scene's great all the different family members are really really probably my favorite part of the movie yeah and i think each of them is given a bit of time to breathe because i mean it would have been very easy for rian johnson to like throw the entire family into this room to begin with and then get very little snippets but he focuses on four to begin with and then we're kind of gradually introduced to the extended family over time um, yes yeah and I think the real MVP, let's be honest, is uh, the grandmother, um, or I suppose the <laughs> great grandmother to some of them. Like yeah. it's actually insane. It's I love her in every scene she's in. Um, it's very unsettling. I would be quite like just the way she stands and sort of doesn't. Yeah, I think I think the funniest thing I I thought in this movie was there's one scene where I think they're at the memorial for Harlan Thrombey. And um, Walter's like trying to talk to the grandmother, being like, "Would you like dinner, <laughs> Nana?" <laughs> dinner, yeah. <laughs> and then Linda comes up and she's like, "Oh no, she ate the whole salmon spread already." And you're just thinking, like, this woman, like, what is she doing? <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's this. It's it's interesting because like with her, like you know, jump forward ahead a bit further. When when uh, Benoit Blanc gets, you know, assumedly gets told what happened by her. We never see her do it, so they never break that facade. You only just hear about her like strange, you know, behavior when she's not actually on screen. Like we never, she's whenever we see her, she's just stood there and barely speaking. Yeah, you know. But then you hear, oh, she's told him this incredibly intricate thing she saw behind the scenes. He says, I think you're very perceptive, and you know. But we never see that, so I always find it's kind of funny because then you just imagine it. You imagine her like putting the cane down and maybe talking like a normal person. Yeah, oh no, uh, I, I always find that really cool. Yeah, I thought it was really great. I mean, <laughs> I think I love the fact as well that when it's sort of described, like when I believe this is very later on in the movie when um when Martha is coming in to supposedly confess to the murder of Harlan, uh, yeah, with the intention that she believes she had done it, and then you know um Benoit Blanc comes in and completely storms off because he's read the toxicology report and she didn't do it, uh, and he like goes on this big spiel about how like selfish they are and everything and then they leave the room and then she just kind of like chuckles <laughs> yeah and i think in some way like i feel like she's probably the most like natural or human of all of them despite being completely off the walls bonkers yeah yeah absolutely um think the uh, w- one thing i wanted to touch on that i actually think is quite good about the film uh, and quite refreshing in these sort of films, when they show the patriarch of the family, in this case being Harlan, hmm. he's usually portrayed in the flashbacks as like someone almost deserving of what happened to him. Yeah. You, if you get what I'm saying, like it's very stereotypical for him to be the worst of them all or like, you know, this heartless monster or whatever. And I don't think that's the case at all. He's actually like, you know, I there's a lot of like, by the end of the film, you have a lot of, I think you, the film does a good job of giving you a lot of empathy for him. Uh, and but did you? Uh, he seems like quite a good man, like for the most part. But did you get the? Where did you get the idea though that he was portrayed poorly? Because I didn't. 
I don't think I. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think he is. That's what I'm saying. I find refreshing. I think it's kind of like a trope in these kind of films oh, to yeah, betray yeah. the patriarch as like a a bad man or does almost deserving of it. Hmm. You know, I think he's actually played like he's very tragic. The reveal at the end is really heartbreaking that, that he was actually okay and that he hmm. wasn't going to die. Like it's really sad. Like, and I think the film does a re- and it's really impressive to see. It's very. I think it's very easy to just be like, oh well, he's the rich patriarch. He's going to be a dick. Like I, I almost got that vibe in in the flashbacks when you find out why he cut the family members out. It seems like he's a douche. The way he's like, my mind is made up, and that there's like, and you're just watching these people find out they're gonna lose everything basically because he decides. Yeah. But then you, re- you know, as the film goes on, you realize well he's just that they're kind of all deserving of it. Like you know, he's 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 put up with a lot of their crap for a, a long time, and yeah, I think it's I just it's really cool for them to do a, take a different angle on it and have him be a truly sympathetic character who didn't deserve anything and probably besides the grandmother and besides Martha is the and, and Benoit obviously being a good cop as he is uh, being being the uh, being a good person like I think it's because when they called him a generous man at the beginning they always do that in these films they say they're generous and then you find out some sort of dark secret and they're not generous at all and they're actually quite a heartless person but he really was that hmm. I just think that's quite cool to see in I don't think you see that a lot in these kind of films. At least I, I get that feeling. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. But. Yeah. I mean, from the base of it, I think when we go into the film, he, we are ser- seeing a version of him that's trying to atone for being, I suppose, too handholdy with his children. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, th- granted, maybe there is an argument to say, like, cutting them off completely is the wrong thing to do. But, I mean... I don't think anyone in the theater having seen these characters is going to be like, oh, why would they give just... them a little bit of money? No, everyone yeah, yeah. is going to be like, no, <laughs> screw these people. Well, they've, they've all taken advantage of him as, a, as mm. you know, of his generosity um, is, is the thing. Um, but sorry, I don't, I feel, I don't want to go too much. I, you had a plan in mind. Did you want to carry on with the plot? I don't want to. No, no, keep going, keep much. going. <laughs> don't try. Yeah, I just think, it's, I just think it's really nice to see I think it's very like I've I've seen this with the films a few times. The same I felt the same with the film Parasite. I obviously don't want to go too much into that, but I think it's very there's like a trope in films to have the rich family member or the rich you know patriarch be just this terrible person, and it feels like it's you know it's easy to lean into that because mm. you know we all kind you know with the, the, I felt the same with Parasite though Parasite is far more new is it is more nuanced in its portrayal, but like. I thought it was refreshing in that film as well that I didn't think the rich family by the end of the film were like terrible people and that the, the poor family were like great people, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I like it when a film does that because it's like, well, he's, well, yeah, he might like, we don't know how he acquired his wealth. I mean, he wrote books, which is probably like one of the least, you know, negative ways he could have uh, um, made his money. Um, and, and he doesn't seem to like, and he's very, obviously he's very kind to, Martha you find out they had a very special bond and I kept thinking there was going to be some sort of rug pull on that but there wasn't it was just a genuine bond between those two Mm. Uh, and I think that's just really nice that they kind of didn't lean into that too much they kind of almost subverted with being Rian Johnson almost subverted my expectation that it would lean into that and actually no it just was a genuine bond and I thought that was really cool Mm -hmm. 100% I mean if we want to talk a little more about it I mean I really love the I suppose the scene where she thinks she has inadvertently killed him at uh, the flashback scene um, yeah and they're making it's the quite plan. yeah it's quite um i don't want to say emotional because i i didn't connect with the characters as, as much maybe as you did but i think it's quite like it's quite it's quite a warm moment because he's he's like telling her he's like you know it's okay like i don't blame you you know and, and all i care about now is making sure you're okay like i don't want anything to happen to you 
Yeah. It's just very like, it's very like, he's almost like fatherly to her. You know, he's like, you know, your mother doesn't deserve to get, you know, what's going to happen to her if this gets found out. Mm. Everything will be okay. You know, he doesn't like, he never at once blames her. Um, I mean, obviously you could, I mean, you could argue the biggest flaw he really has is that he is like a morphine user. But at that point, he's like an old man. He's not hurting anyone. So it's kind of like, maybe she shouldn't be indulging that habit. But mm. um, I mean, it's implied he's in pain a lot. So it's, it is for medicinal reasons to an extent. Um, but like, yeah, it's, um, it's just, so it's a really great, I really like that scene. I was, re- and I, I was going back to the plot of the film. It's very surprising that it comes so early in the film as well. I think it comes less than the, the hour mark. I think is when you, you get this reveal. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't, it's, I think the reason is because obviously I don't, it's not the main twist of the film. That yeah. Yes. She killed him. It's, it's what we would expect, maybe, and maybe there's an element of me inside that th- thinks, okay, she didn't do it. But I think for the entirety of the first time, and this is going back away because I saw it when it came out in theaters back in 2019. I think my initial thought was that, oh yeah, this, um, yeah, this is gonna be how it ends. Like, I mean, she might get away with it, she might not. I never once thought that it was gonna be someone else, and maybe that's, maybe that's. I suppose ignorance, but at the same time, I was kind of like, okay, no, I could see how this could be an interesting premise. But the fact that they do sort of do another twist near the end, I was almost even. It's more an interesting twist, about. yeah, where it kind of absolves her of the absolves her of any guilt and and kind of, but then also makes it sadder because it's like, well, he didn't even need to die. You know? Yeah, that's the that's um, the sort of the kicker at the end of the film is that like he could well have been alive. Yeah. Um. Um. I do want to mention though quickly on that scene of his death. I mean, Anna de Armas does such a fantastic job acting throughout this entire film, but she's just really, really good in that scene, I think, in particular. Yeah. Um, and of course, then, I think that scene is actually the proper beginning of the film because it sets up the premise so well. It's pretty much how I've described it is a mystery writer trying to stop the police from solving his own murder. Yes, yeah. I thought that bit was interesting as well, where he was kind of like, you got the idea that he was planning this all out as almost as if it was a novel. And he was like, well, this is what would happen in my story. <laughs> yeah. If you do this, this will work. Which um, is really well done. I mean, it it's a... I mean, if you were to say that premise to anyone, I'm sure it would mildly interest even the sort of the least enthusiastic about crime novels of people. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the film runs with it so well. And I mean, you talked about at the beginning about in these sorts of films, people focusing on the dialogue. I mean, the film is obviously very dialogue heavy, but it's actually all really good dialogue. I think maybe yeah, yeah, the, absolutely. the whole thing, maybe the only thing I'm kind of a bit like, oh, I'm sick of this kind of was the whole donut analogy. Uh, but I think yeah, that bit was a bit like, <laughs> but I think the whole point of that is that it's meant to be goofy and silly at that stage. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm willing to forgive. Well, it. he's a gum, he's a gumshoe, isn't it? So it's very like, yeah. Um, I, but yeah, no, do you want to add anything after that? No, no, I just thought I, I want to obviously want to dig through the plot a bit more, but I would like to, I think I'd like to get into the, some of the, dis, the where we might disagree because um, mm. you're obviously a very big fan of this film and I'm kind of, I thought it was good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I don't know when I'll watch it again. <laughs> it's my takeaway, so I'd like to get into that a bit. But um, I think the plot's worth talking about a bit more as well first. We haven't just got through the setup. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about some stuff maybe you disagree with? We can take a, yeah, a short so my, break on that and then move on to... Yeah, so my main, my main thing that I find that... Well, the, the, my two main issues, I think, of the film are is that 
going back over the trailers and stuff, I was kind of under the, and this might just be an issue with marketing. I had the perception that the whole movie was going to take place in the house. And that's what I was looking mm-hmm. forward to because I liked the house. The house guy had a lot of character. It looked like a very meticulously designed, you know, building. Like, I don't know how much of set dressing that was or whether it was using a, a pre-existing building. I'm not sure. Um, I thought that was, I was, the house felt like a character in itself. And I feel like they didn't explore that nearly enough. Like I thought it was going to be way more interesting and focused on that. Um, yeah. And also the the humor that I'd heard so much like hype about, I think I laughed a handful of times. I didn't find the film very funny at all. Hmm. Um, I didn't think it, I didn't think any of the jokes were like, oh, that was a bad joke, and like it just didn't land for me. It just didn't connect with me. I never thought like, ugh, that was awful. It was like the funniest scene in the movie that did make me laugh out loud was Chris Evans's introduction. Yes. Um, oh yeah, so good. Which is why, which was another probably another disappointment for the film. I thought after he once he became more serious after that scene, I found him quite like I didn't find him that interesting. Hmm. Um, I just, thought he was um, going to kind of be this. Sorry. Well, just on that note, like my notes literally read, "I love Chris Evans," and then in inverted commas afterwards, "eat shit," because I'm just yeah, reminded yeah. that the, scene completely like that, is so good. What none of us were strong enough to do. Maybe this might finally make you grow up. This might be the best thing that could ever happen to you. Thank you. My mother, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this is not going to be easy for you, but it'll be good. Nothing good is ever easy. Up your ass, Joni. You've had your teeth in this family's tit for a long time. Up your ass? Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. What? How's that? Do not use that word in front of my son. Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. I would slap that smug smile. Definitely eat shit. Eat shit. You can all eat shit. I love that where he's just messing with each one of them. I think that's really funny. Um... That was the funny scene. And I like that he's walking around eating what looks like lotus biscuits. <laughs> oh, the biscoffs. Yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That just made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, this is very relatable. Um, but yeah, I, w- I almost wish um, they'd kept him as more of a, a mocker, a, a, piss, a piss taker than, than he ended up being. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like that, the, the other outside of that, I think there's a few scenes I'm probably forgetting that, that did make me chuckle. Um, the the interrogation stuff was all quite funny, um, and it all felt like I liked the feeling in the movie a lot. I just wish there were more. To, I, but the second half when they were driving around and stuff, it just kind of lost me. I was kind of like, well, this isn't that interesting. I don't really need a car chase in this film. And um, well, in I fairness, know, like, I think the whole premise of the car chase was that it was just so terrible. It, I think yeah, that's yeah, it was like whole... an yeah, yeah, because yeah, she was in like a crappy you know car yeah. that couldn't go very fast and. and yeah, I, but I just meant like, um, you know, you were saying about the ambiguity of the location. This is why I wanted to ask you as well. Did you get the feeling in the beginning? This is the f- in your first time watching it. That house she's in at the beginning made me think of like an English like council house type thing. I don't know why I got that vibe. I just worried mm. like the suburb she was in made me think more like, I don't know why I got like, I didn't realize she was in America till later in the film. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think I ever got that impression. I believe she's I in might an just apartment, speak in... is she not? Yeah, it might be. I guess, yes, yeah. I couldn't tell if it looked like. I yeah, I definitely get that. Or... It's difficult to kind of tell that. Uh, but the only thing I think that kind of does it for me is the when she walks out into the hallway and there's like a. Like where are they actually doors. supposed to be in America? Does it? Does it ever um, tell you? I don't know if that's intended. Let me look it up. Um, where is knives? Setting's very interesting looking. Set. It's um, Borderland State Park. Boston, oh okay. South of Boston. Okay, so um, yeah. But like my thing with the house is basically that 
the house looks is so full of character and looks so cool and has such like a cozy aesthetic that I feel like everywhere else in the movie is kind of boring and plain. I don't know if that's intentional, but it may very well be. Um, you know, it's almost kind of not sterile, but like um, it's very uninteresting. The rest of the locations in the film, um, yeah. and the outsides are all very drab and colorless. And I don't know if that's again going with you know the house being very colorful and and appealing. Um, but that's probably one of my main issues. Film. I really want. I would have liked more time in the house. Um, and this might be where we disagree a little bit as well. The protagonist. I didn't really connect with her that much, mainly because her whole character arc to me was just yes, she is a very good person, and we need to keep reiterating how good of a person she is, and how she's deserving of this and of like the money and stuff. Mm. Um, and you know how you know she's just trying to do the right thing, and I was like, yeah, I get all that. I but I found like the sh- the, the shitty family members more interesting because they kind of you you never knew whether they were going to try and be genuine, and then they were yeah. just going to actually be shitbags. <laughs> I mean, uh, I do I agree with you on that, but I I think on the premise of the genre of film alone, it doesn't lend itself very much to more character study stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I I can see that completely. It's kind of you know the whole premise that, and the whole encapsulation of the film is the mystery and solving that mystery yeah absolutely yeah Um, i I don't think it's an issue with the film itself i think maybe it's just an issue of my taste maybe um you know what i like and enjoy um because i think it's very much like you know that's why these characters are so kind of exaggerated and Mm. not one note but very much like they stick in ladies like archetypes yeah um because of the the type of film that it is but i do i do agree with you though i think the house is the most interesting part or the locale of the film i mean um, you've got that iconic like set of knives that's literally like used in every poster yeah. because it looks so cool <laughs> um and of course there's the callback at the end of the film where it's like you can't distinguish the knife yeah yes yeah i love that yeah it, between a real knife and a prop yeah i thought that was great because i i for a second was like did he just kill her and then it was like <laughs> yeah i i, I love that um yeah it's full of a lot of little like nookets and crannies that if you listen to back like i remember watching it again there recently for this episode obviously i was because obviously i know that ranson does it i I, I yeah i've seen the film i remember when they were recapping all the sort of things that had happened in the middle of the night i was like oh yeah the dog's barking i know that's ranson going and yeah yeah which i think is really cool for stuff like this and i think it's what really attracted me to i mean specifically a lot of the earlier uh, ben to cumberbatch sherlock episodes was going back and seeing where these clues were left for the viewer to find on repeat viewings. Um, yeah, I got you, yeah. And that's something that this film is really good. It's very cohesive. It feels very connected and, like, everything was, it. you know, they have everything's thought out, like, how it would connect to something we would learn later. Yeah. Um, it's very, like, I think I think maybe more it's just the genre maybe isn't for me. Maybe that's why I didn't connect to this film as much. But in terms of, like, you know, have the genre, it seems to do it very well. It's all very interconnected. Everything's consistent. There's not really... It seems hard to find potholes or anything like that. It seems like it's a very tight mystery. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested, actually, just to get your thoughts on what did you think of Benoit Blanc as a character? Because, obviously, I'm thinking now more yeah. so with the the future of this series is going to very yeah, much it's going to be him and he's a new, he's a modern... He, he reminds me of... A, what I think of him as is, like, a modern-day Poirot. Yeah. Because um, I, remember, I remember watching some of the Poirot adaptations as a kid and thinking... Poirot was always kind of a little bit quirky and, and a gentleman, and that was always kind of his what made him interesting. Well, in fairness, Poirot um, and the old stuff was always an asshole to people. It's <laughs> just I could never get over it. 
Um, I might be mis. To be honest, I might be misremembering. I have this image of him being like this. He was a soft-spoken kind of guy. Yeah, though, he's wasn't quite he? refined and soft-spoken, but he his general demeanor and attitude was always very arsehole-ish. Yeah. Whereas I no Benoit Blanc, I I liked him uh, quite a lot. Um, I think I actually think he wasn't in the film as much as I thought it would be. I thought he would have a bit of a bigger presence. Yeah. Um. I wanted to see more of him sort of solving the mystery because I think what. And I think maybe this is again with the marketing, but because I don't know how famous, you know, how big of an actress Amadei Armas was at the time. Maybe she was more an uppercomer. Um, I didn't realize how central to the film she actually would be. Like, she's mm. definitely the protagonist. And I didn't realize that when I was going into it. I thought he was kind of the main focus. And it was him sort of tearing down these different family members. Yeah. But I think it's also, um, it's an interesting twist on, I suppose, the the sort of the murder mystery formula where the perceived at least who we perceive as to be the murderer is sort of the eyes we look through as opposed to it being yeah, the detective. yeah um and obviously then that all changes near the end but i thought it was a kind of a a cool way of doing it um i'm i'm glad they didn't have a commit to covering it up i that mm. would have been frustrating to me because it kind of would have flew in the face of everything they were trying to tell me about her as a character i'm like well if she's truly a good person there's no way she could live with this like well it would have also at the same time been like what was the point in benoit blanc yeah, like, exactly. Because yeah. he doesn't solve it then if she's just gotten away with it. But obviously he ends up solving it, which, I mean, produces probably the best Southern line from Daniel Craig, which is, what did the Nazi boy masturbating in the bathroom here? <laughs> um, yeah, that was great. But yeah, I love I love how he was. I don't know if that was intentional, but he reminded me of like um, when you look at uh, Ben Shapiro when he was young. <laughs> That's what the kind of vibe with that kid it's a was. Very, was yeah, like, very like conservative like prep school type person yeah 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 i'm yeah i mean i keep coming back to it but i think what really pulls this movie together is how good the casting is i mean yeah absolutely everyone nails it yeah i'm happy to see chris evans play the villain again because obviously he was captain america for so long and the and i mean he was the human torch before that if anyone remembers those films yes and then the only real time we ever saw him i think this is kind of the most similar to his role in scott pilgrim uh, because yeah, he's being a douchebag essentially, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but he does he's it like so a well. Type character, yeah. Um, and I think, in fairness, Chris Evans does a really good job in this film, along with oh, absolutely, like yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a bad performance. That's the only thing I'm thinking. I like there's nothing that stands out. No, no, I think I don't think any you could. I think it'd be impossible to argue there was. Yeah, I think everyone like pretty much nails it. Hmm. Um, I've got only one other note I have down here is I. Obviously, we know that the family are terrible people, but I do like yeah. the scenes of sort of humanity it shows them in as well. Like when we see Walter and Linda, when Linda's in her room looking at her old letters and she's kind of like... I, she's I saying think it this keeps thinking it's a game, yeah. Yeah, That's I thought that was quite, really good. It's quite heartfelt. And then obviously you get the complete like switch when she starts calling Martha a bitch because she's got the inheritance and everything and yeah. you're kind of reminded <laughs> of who this person is. But it, it does come from a place of... I suppose maybe love for her father, but completely and utterly misplaced in her frustration with Martha. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't have many other notes on the film because it is very much what what you'd expect going in. Like, it's got the it's got the ensemble cast, it's got the crime, it's got the sort of the mystery of that crime, and then it's got the twist ending. And in this case, it's got it's two a, twists almost, so... It's a very uh, pretty film it's uh yeah. like you know i think it's worth mentioning as well it, it looks gorgeous like um yeah. in places I, I, like i said with the house the house is where it really shines it just looks mm. so good in that house i don't know there's something about that 
There's so much character in that house. Yeah, there's um, a distinct style. Much like a Kudo house, board, yeah. you know, when you look at the, it very much feels like a house that was almost designed for a murder mystery. <laughs> you know, it's like this was its purpose all along. Um, I yeah, I I, th- I think one of my favorite characters probably was Harlan. I, I really liked all the scenes with him. Um, yeah. I think yeah, I think having no actual murder, no at least the main killer, not actually be a murder victim and like no actual central murderer. Besides, you know, obviously later on with reveals that Chris Evans has killed someone, but hmm. like it, I think that's really cool. It's very different. Um, there's normally always some murderer who's killed, you know, their family member. Um, it's almost like it was going to happen. You know, the, the reveal that he couldn't have died is true, but I, it almost feels like he probably would have died regardless. Chris Evans probably would have killed him regardless. Yeah. Um, at some point. So it's still kind of like, but it's just obviously it's tragic that, you know, it didn't need to happen that way. I think that's quite good. Um, I didn't really feel too much about the score. I thought I think in the beginning I did, and then it kind of just faded. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's a good film to watch for people who are like upset with Rian Johnson, and they're like, you know, oh, I'll never enjoy anything he's wrote again. And then you watch kind of this, and it's like, oh, you know, he just wasn't fit for Star Wars, but he's mm. quite a good writer, and obviously Looper as well. You know, Phil. That's um, what I'm kind of. I mean, I'm thinking, like, is obviously. I believe the sequel is meant to come out this year. So, I, I think, mean, I'm thinking in my head, like, m- the best works I've seen from Rian Johnson have been in standalone films where he's had literally no limitations. Um, And now, obviously, going to the sequel, there's not a huge amount you... of limitations in the world, but yeah, he still I was gonna has say to subscribe that to it I think a little bit. It might be a strength to these, hopefully, is a strength to these films that he can kind of, um, he can kind of reinvent it each time. The only thing he needs to keep consistent is Benoit Blanc. Assumedly, no one else from the original films is going to be in it. Maybe some callbacks here and there, but... Yeah. But the other thing I'm only thinking of as well is that I think the best part of this film is the dynamic between Martha and Benoit Blanc. And I'm kind yeah. of thinking, how are they going to try and replicate that in the next movie? Or is it going to be kind of more like, here's us following Benoit Blanc? Or will it be sort of what we've seen here already, which is following one of the family or one of the new suspects, if you will? Um, I'm interested to see how the next film kind of does that because of it I would actually I wouldn't be angry if it completely switched up the formula and that's not out of Rian Johnson's rabbit to do that and I'm perfectly fine with that as long as he doesn't kill Benoit Blanc in the first five minutes and be like haha I mean to to go down the last of us two route that would be quite a a brave statement but it might also be quite funny as well at the same time um would i want to see one of my favorite films bastardized maybe I don't know (laughs) wait and see um but yeah i mean bar that i mean i have very little criticism of this film um every time i like because usually i'm not a big person for going back and watching films unless i really enjoy them Um, Mm. and i never feel like i'm slogging through this film whenever i go back the only thing i ever feel it drags a little bit is as you said when we're not in the house um is when we're outside and that for first time viewing it adds a, a whole lot of context and evidence for the actual final uh, reveal which yeah. I mean, yeah makes a lot of sense why that would happen um but when you're on repeat viewings it's kind of like yeah i know what's happening here i think let's keep going I, yeah i think my further to that i think it's it's an issue of the fact that it also takes away a lot from the family for at least 20 to 30 minutes of the hmm. movie you're just not seeing anyone really besides anna de Armas and chris evans and a bit of benoit blanc but he's not usually doing much he's either chasing after or he's sat in the car listening to music which <laughs> i did find that bit really funny um <laughs> I did think that was great. But yeah, I, I just think 
the film's like at its strongest absolutely when they're in the house and you've got the ensemble everyone's shit jibing each other or you know there's all these different conversations happening like that's when it like really and obviously the 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 end is great as well obviously with the final reveal and all, all of that and and benoit's monologue is really good yeah um and i i watched a, re- a behind the scenes feature and obviously rian johnson was saying how that's kind of an essential part of it he wanted to you know do an interesting take on the genre but he still wanted to have a lot of the tropes you know like the big library yeah. scene where everything in the movie is laid out bare to the audience um, you know, he was kind of like, he, he, it was cool how he was like, oh, I'm going to, res- you know, I'm going to, res- there's certain tropes that just work and we enjoy for a reason. You know, we enjoy, you want to be able, you want to be told a little bit of how it all kind of played out in the end, just for, because if you've either not been following the film as well, or, you know, you want to, you want to be, cl- you want it to be clear what the answer is in a film yeah. like this. I think, I don't think that, I think that hurts the film giving you a clear answer. I think. It's not coming to my head now, but there are maybe one or two segments within the film where they kind of like, you know, when actually here's a good example, when they're going to look at the tape of the ha- the front of the house that night. Um, and obviously yeah. the whole conundrum of uh, Martha thinking it's oh, a bit convenient how well she gets away with that, I will say. Yeah, but not even just that, but like obviously the big thing is like, oh my god, do I go before the statue, after the statue? And obviously she goes before, but she's meant to go after. Um, yeah, because there's a scene where doesn't he. She hears the monologue three times in her head, and it's different every time, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't he say before when she's driving, and then he says after, and then he goes before after. <laughs> yeah. But the only um, thing I thought is when we moved on. I think it's only like twenty or thirty minutes after when we see the scene of them getting the tape, and they feel the need to be like repeating that in the, her head again, like go after the thing. It's like yes, I I feel like maybe that's a little bit treating the audience like they're kind of stupid a little bit, which I was kind of yeah, like I, I remember what this is like. You don't need to remind me um but maybe that's maybe i mean there's some people who maybe wouldn't get it either so i'm also a bit confused on that because they kind of they say the tape was scrambled later on but i don't actually remember seeing her do that i remember seeing her have some kind of tool in her pocket i think it's because um i think it's because she like played and fast forward and then ejected it at the same time so it kind of fried the tape a little bit okay it's very um, weird that the the uh an estate like that still uses videotapes for its cctv <laughs> Yeah, but I I mean, it's not complete. I wouldn't say it's completely out of reality. No, 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 oh, no, it's just kind of funny to me. But no, I absolutely, like you say, there's there's totally a chance. I mean, the guy they've got working there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's this insane old man. He seems like he'd be a slasher in another film or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, did you know that there's, um, there's an audio cameo, not a visual, an audio cameo of George and Go- Go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this film? Really? Yeah, he's of one of the detectives. I don't know if it's when they're arresting uh, Ranson at the end of the film, but he's one of the detectives, and you can't see him on screen, but you can hear him speak at one point, <laughs> Um, which I think is kind of a cool nod back, because obviously they work well together a lot of the time, him and Rian Johnson. Yeah, it wasn't uh, Rian Johnson's first film. Brick, I believe, is, is Joseph mm-hmm. Gordon-Levitt, and then obviously Looper yeah. later on. So yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of like... um. You know, it's kind of the ensemble cast thing is kind of like a Tarantino film, which always yeah. has the same people coming back. I think Rian Johnson does that in his own way as well. I think that's kind of the Hollywood way of doing things is to have I think recurring I, I think I was a little disappointed with how I wanted to see more Jamie Lee Curtis. I was really excited to see her um, as I'm a big Halloween fan. So I quite like seeing her in movies. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, and I think I think she like you were saying earlier, she's probably one of the more sympathetic characters in the movie. She's kind of got a chip on her shoulder, it feels like. Which yeah. is why she's a bit mean. Um, oh, I say a bit mean. You know, they're all pretty nasty in some ways. But if she feels like 
she's nasty, but it feels like she comes from that because because more of the fact that she, although yes, she's taken a large investment, so she didn't start out with nothing. She's done the most of the family members in terms of building her own identity. Mm. She's tried to do the most. Obviously, she got a loan, but um, she actually seems like the one who'd probably be fine after this as well. <laughs> well, I mean, like, she does she find has her out own that company. her husband cheated on her, so... Yeah, yeah, but bes- bes- I mean, like, financially, you know, everyone in the film's yeah. worried they're going to lose all their money. She probably wouldn't, because she owns her own company, as far as I'm aware, so it's like, she's probably okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, her, I feel, felt bad for her when she found out as well. I think it's kind of, like, sad. Um, and mm. I was wondering where, if they were going to bring that plot a little up. And I like that it's hidden, the message is hidden, because it goes back to her saying he always loved to play a game. And it's kind of like, and obviously by playing, he knew she might like do something like that because she she's played the game. And also yeah. it's kind of like he's protecting, you know, making sure that, that that evidence exists still, that she still finds out the truth. Yeah. And like, that's like, again, to his character that he's not actually a bad man because he wanted his daughter to know the truth, didn't want her to be kept in the dark and he wasn't going to let this guy like tell him, you know, you can't tell her. Hmm. Like, it paints Harlan in a better light again. I think the film does a really good job of painting him in as a genuinely good person, like who, yeah. you know, what you want to say about his aristocracy or whatever, but he seems like a, he tries to do, he's tried to do the best he could. Yeah. Um, and I really like that in the film. I think it's probably I think, like, yeah. a I think if you're going to take the, I think if you're going to take the angle of like, I mean, this is obviously kind of, a, I suppose, a political or philosophical angle to be like, if you respect people based on what they built in a certain society, um, you probably would feel the most, um, I suppose, empathy towards Harlan, a little bit Linda, and obviously the grandmother, because, you know, they have had to, I suppose, in a way, I suppose the grandmother's had to fight for whatever. I mean, I'm adding context or lore here that probably doesn't exist about the grandmother. But, I mean, obviously Harlan had to build his own book empire. Linda, yeah, granted, got that loan. But, I mean, at the same time, in comparison to the rest of the children is the most sympathetic i think it's interesting as well that he built it on an empire that you know i think morally most people would have a hard time condemning him for you know what's like immoral about creating your own novels that's pretty that's pretty um pretty like a good it's a pretty good thing you know to be a creative and um and he and he has and it's he seems like he has genuinely so much respect he wouldn't sell out to you know making movies on them and, and things like that and like wanted to just make the books as and keep control of his like you know his creative baby in a sense yeah um yeah i i just think he, i think he's a cool character maybe i'm reading into it a bit too much i just think it's it's just refreshing to see a character who would be very easy to play as unsympathetic or play as you know he's dead so we don't have to care about him hmm. um but instead we do care about him and it makes his death and the final revelation tragic and you can see why Martha cares so much because he is really good to Martha. He's the only one who's been good to her. She always says throughout the movie that you've been good to me, but really the only one who was truly good to her was Harlan. Harlan yeah. was like, was the best to her. You know, he did every, and he, and, and he obviously genuinely cared about her as he thought she was deserving of his entire fortune. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think is really nice as well. And obviously he exemplifies his generosity that he gives it to someone who is not only like struggling, but you know, who he genuinely thinks is worth it. And like, I, I do like the scenes of Daniel Craig, you know, being like, you're the reason you're, you won is because you're a good person because you, you know, you saved, you tried to save that woman's life and that's why you're here right now. Yeah. Like, I, I, I do like how the film wraps up with that. I gave Harlan the correct doses. Yes. But not accidentally. I taped over the label of these two vowels. 
The vials themselves are identical. How'd you know this was the morphine? I just knew. You knew because there is the slightest, almost imperceptible differences of tincture and viscosity between the two liquids. You knew because you'd done it a hundred times. You gave him the correct medication because you are a good nurse. And Harlan was... I'm sorry, Marta, but yes. Harlan was perfectly fine. His blood was normal. The cause of death was truly, solely suicide. And you are guilty of nothing but some damage to the trellis and a few amateur theatrics. Yeah, and I think even more so the visual imagery of her on the balcony looking down. Yes, all of yeah, them. that's brilliant. And, and she's then, drinking from that mug. That's brilliant. I, that's I do like house, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think overall it's a, I think it's a super film. I think. I mean, is there any other sort of, I mean, complaints? I, think, I would say. I think my my I think my th more I think I think it's less complaints. I just think maybe it's just not my type of film. You know, mm. uh, and that's fine. Like you know. As a film, I can respect it. I think Rian Johnson. I think this. I think naysayers of his work should watch this movie, absolutely, yeah. uh, and then go watch Looper, which I think is better. Um, but, but that's just because I like my dramas. Um, but uh, and then go watch. Yeah, and and I think it's good for people who aren't who were put off by his work in Jedi. I think it's a good film, to, and I think it's a it's a good. I was watching an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think she summed it up perfectly. It's a great film to take your family to see, to watch with hmm. watch with family and have a chat about it afterwards. I think it's a very it's a fun film, you know. Yeah. It's it's enjoyable. It it's probably more. I you know I probably missed a trick not watching it with with a few people because I think it'd be a really fun film to discuss. You know, in terms of you know figuring out who did what and almost playing it out like a Cluedo game where you're constantly going, well, I think this happened and. Um, I just wish the mystery element was kept a bit closer. I wish we spent more time in the house. I would have, I would have been fine if the whole movie was in the house, to be honest. But maybe it comes to a point of like, well, how much can we explore in this house? So maybe that's yeah. where the issues are. Maybe the film would have to be only ninety minutes at that point as well, and you'd lose some of the better character moments. One hundred percent. I think, suppose to round off, anyways, uh, we'll do sort of our final ratings and maybe just a quick summary of our thoughts do you want to go first maybe as as brief as possible maybe a one to two sentence summary and then what you give it out of five if i was gonna rate it oh yeah so i just think it's a everyone in it kills it um that's not really a surprise the acting's fantastic some of the dialogue is funny the mystery is good um there's some nice emotional beats in it that you wouldn't expect of this kind of film and daniel craig has created a very interesting character that i'd love to see more of so if I was to rate it, I suppose out of five, like we did last time, I'd probably say it's like a three and a half. Um, okay. You know, I can't really say it's, a, I can't say it's a bad film in any regard. It's just not my, maybe my type of film. And if you enjoy these type of films, this might be much higher up for you. Hmm. I think we completely switched places from last week. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought we I, might. I will quickly just say like, I, I love this film. I think it's one of the best sort of crime films we've seen in the last 10 years, if not longer. Um, I think the cast again, obviously you mentioned does such a fantastic job of making it a believable place and a believable tone within the entire film and it's got elements of goofiness that departed from reality a, a little bit but also make it yet believable um and overall i just think it's a really fun time i mean i would watch this over and over again if i could so i mean that's why i'm gonna you know jump the ball here a little bit maybe set a really high bar for future stuff we talk but i'm gonna give it a five out of five because i think it's um. fantastic <laughs> i think it's so so good um, and i don't give out fives that often but I think generally the five star rating for this is just because 
I can see myself watching this again and getting more out of it each time. Um, and there's not a poor moment of dialogue really in the entire film that kind of rips me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that sums it up. Um, I think we'll move on quickly to what we're going to be covering next week and then also just quick drop of the socials as well. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at Hardcore Henry. I know a complete and utter departure. If you, if you were worried about, you know, one murder mystery, there's going to be a lot of murder on the podcast next oh, week. Oh, there's so much murder. Um, so we'll be looking at uh, Hardcore Henry, which is a nice departure from what we've already looked at on the podcast so far. Uh, if you want to follow any of us on our socials or on our own personal Twitters and all that, they can be linked down below as well. But... I suppose until next week, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you then.